I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hello, I'm Martin Bayfield, and this is the Rugby Tonight podcast. We turned our attention to Scotland in our latest Six Nations special with the help of our studio guests, Donny Weir and Henry Pergos. Ben Kay and Austin Healy were also on hand to look back at round 13 of the Aviva Premiership. Here are the best bits. Enjoy. Doddy, Doddy, let me just... That's how we know you, but your name is George Wilson Weir. Why Doddy? Actually, if I don't really know. In Scotland, it's just short for George. No, no big story. No funny story, I'm sorry. Doddy is short for George. That it is. So the two-syllable <laughs> two word is short for the one-syllable yeah, word. Yeah, my mummy's got a lot to answer uh, for you. Brilliant. Brilliant. It's great of you to be here. Name Thank you. aside, I'm just glad that we finally got someone on the show that understands fashion. Oh, so thank you. There a lot you of people. You're looking very yeah. smart, Daddy. I love well, it. Well, Talk thank you very much. It's all about making an effort. <laughs> yes, you have. <laughs> Some people have on Scottish nights. Some he people... just look stupid. <laughs> Daddy, it does look as though two cars have had a crash and the only thing that survived were the travel rugs. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Big Man, you'll know when you go get dressed up. No, the, 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 yeah, we yeah. can't get it off the peg, so they didn't have enough green tartan, <laughs> so we had to green and red. You I look think magnificent. You, look you do well, look thank magnificent. You very much. Great to have you here. What are you up to at the moment? Well, it's very, very nice of you to ask. Playing for <laughs> Scotland, you see, it's not living the dream like these boys being involved with England. I'm now involved in the wastewater industry. Ah. So I'm now involved in the sewage industry. <laughs> so if anyone needs a septic tank or a treatment plant, I ate your man. Brilliant. Yeah. Appropriate, you're sat next to us. And how is the sewage business? <laughs> well, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a bizarre thing, but yes, it, it's very well. There's, there's a lot going around. And uh, yes, how life has changed. <laughs> uh, we say this, playing in front of 70,000 maybe one day. Uh-huh. Your business is now my business. Brilliant. I love Brilliant. It. Your I number. Let's just end the show. There's another one as well. Your number okay. twos is my number one. Oh. <laughs> Doddy, what about uh, what about the early years you played for Scotland? Right. You came into the, the Scotland team in 1990, just after they'd won that famous Grand Slam. As a young, young lad, what was it like getting into that such an experienced team as such a little kid? It was very exciting, David, uh, because in 1988 I was in the schoolboys, went to New Zealand. And then the year after that, I was in, in the full time going to, going to New Zealand. And how life had changed, because in the schoolboys, you went into the plane, turned right, right to the back to zoo class with a national team, went into the plane, business class. Absolutely brilliant. But, but what I kind of 
memory of myself. I was a, a, just a, a skinny little rake, as a lot of people said. I was 13 and a half stone when I got my first cap, and how nice it was to scrum behind Ian Milne, who was maybe twice my weight at the time. And from then on, I've never really needed to scrum, and that's been my philosophy. Don't scrum at all. It's done, it's done me no harm. And you very nearly didn't make it into the world of rugby because I read somewhere a long time ago that you were an active member of a pony club. Yes, it's very right. hard to believe. It yes. must have been a very big horse. It, 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 there was an issue in the later stages, though, yes, of was myself that? knocking the jumps down instead of the horse because my legs were a little bit longer. But True Valley, it was, it was horses was my main love. Oh. I competed at the Scottish Horse Trail Championships. And your sons, they ride now today? They, they did do, they did, they but uh, Dad bought them a motorbike, so they're off horses. Oh. But my good lady yeah. has horses and does a wee bit point-to-pointing. So we're back in horses in that way, but the kids don't, so it saved me quite a lot of money. Yes. Easier to muck out a motorbike. Oh, yes. Indeed, <laughs> it is. Um, I mentioned there when we introduced you that uh, you lifted the title, Premiership title, with Newcastle Falcons. What was life like as, as Newcastle was revived under Sir John Hall's money? Well, I think the boys will all be the same as the Selwoods. When we played six years of amateur rugby at the top to get the old phone call for Rob Andrew, it, it was a, a very humbling experience and getting paid for something that you did as a hobby. And, and with that, for, for working all day, to change to maybe train but once one hour a day. It was absolutely brilliant. <laughs> and getting paid for it and training sun, sun, sunshine hours as well. Uh, and then we had a great team because uh, you can name some of the greats that were involved with that. Rob was still playing at the time. Inga Tugamala was playing as well. Uh, Tony Underwood was another. Nick Popperwell, Gareth Archer, Dean Ryan. Great names. Uh, Armstrong. Armstrong, Pat Lamb. Jimmy um, Naylor. Jimmy Nelly, well, I don't think we need to do the whole team. Let's just accept the Dean, fact that you Dean had a pretty Ryan, good Dean team. Ryan. Yeah. Was, uh, we, didn't, uh, we didn't bring you down here to gloat. Okay, so uh, <laughs> great stuff. Well, Dottie, we've got loads and loads to talk about. Great to have you here. Seems appropriate that we end on uh, Newcastle Falcons because, of course, as well as celebrating everything to do with Scottish rugby, we'll be focusing on the comings and goings in the Aviva Premiership this last weekend. And it all started on Friday night. Harlequins and Leicester Tigers both have been struggling of late. Problems persist for Leicester Tigers with a big, big win for Harlequins, and they certainly needed it. Losing a lot of players, Austin, because of the Six Nations commitments. Time for the younger players to step up. Other players as well. Luke Wallace is a fascinating character because so much talk about the England back row. Who's the out-and-out <coughs> open side? And on Friday night, you look at Luke Wallace and think, surely he's in the equation. Absolutely, I think he was before Friday night. He's a hugely talented player. But you mentioned about Harlequins losing their, their sort of uh, their spine of their side to internationals. And you looked at the team sheets going down into the game, and you thought Leicester were the favourites to come away with this. But it was players like Wallace and Ward, you know, those guys that aren't really that experienced yet that really stepped up to the mark. The Saris game then, you almost felt for any team going to the Allianz after the, the hammering the Saracens took um, to Wasps last weekend, of course. But um, Saracens won. They won. They played the majority of the game with 14 men. Scott Britt's getting red carded. They'll have signals in the game that change them up into different styles of play. When you hear them shout freebie or free one, then they go for the try. We saw that in Ulster and they scored out on two occasions of that. When they lose a player, they know that they can go into a rap pattern. When it starts to rain, they go back to their kicking game. And it tells you, without doubt, I think, they're the best coach side in the league. Yeah, they certainly show that. Sometimes it makes life a little bit easier, doesn't it? It focuses the mind when you lose a player. Now, what about Worcester and Sale? There was a lot of talk before the game. You just knew that temp tempers and tensions would be running a little bit high. Let's just have a listen to what Steve Diamond had to say after this game. And then we'll explain why he was so animated. Well, it helps when you go public like Dean Ryan did last week with the referees, and he's been in the referee department all week, and then the first eight, eight or nine decisions go against us. So there's six collapsed malls going to the try line and no yellow cards given. Unheard of. 
with the most disciplined side coming into the week, and uh, we give 16, 17 penalties away. Why would we do that? But hey, fair play. That's what happens when you're desperate. You do the most desperate things. We've been on the bottom of the refereeing for two years, and I think pretty sure they're at the top of it. So for him to come in and say that is just ironic. And uh, uh, everyone says it's rubber the green, is, but it hasn't been for Worcester. Hasn't been for a long time. So uh, you know, I think you've got enough headlines from Steve Diamond's comments rather than me adding to it. Steve Diamond and Dean Ryan there, oh, fight, two fight, fight, directors fight. of rugby who really speak their minds. Very, very intelligent, very eloquent men. The reason why Dean Ryan said what he said and the response from Steve Diamond was that Dean Ryan has felt over the last few seasons that they haven't been getting the, the right response from the referees. They haven't been getting the, the, the right judgments during the game. And there is a report, a secret report that is written, and, uh, and Worcester are regularly at the bottom of that. Ben, as a director of rugby, he is right, is he not? to question that and to speak to the referees and say, why is my team being penalised? Well, I think the, the issue is that he's gone public with it. And, and um, you know, I think, I'm pretty sure that the directors of rugby all feed back to, to the refereeing department about how unhappy they are when, when they've had a, a run of bad decisions against them. But, I, you know, you can't do it in public and, and because that's exactly the response that Steve Diamond's going to have. I totally see his point of view that the week after, you know, he's made a big fuss about it, he feels aggrieved. So, I, personally, I think it's something that should stay uh, private between the, the DORs and, and the refereeing department. OK, so, Steve Diamond, he wasn't laying all the blame at the door of the referee. He also had a little bit of a pop at Danny Cipriani as well. He almost said it, he can leave now if he wants to. It was a fair result. We got a bonus point for scoring four tries and we could have got another one if we would have kicked our kicks, but we managed to miss all our kicks as well. So we can't put all the blame on the referee. Yeah, if they come on, on Monday, then they make the offer, they can do that. Yeah. Somebody says in the week that the club they're going to, they, they've always belonged to that club. They've still got to put an allegiance to us and uh, we'll see where that happens. Is he just hurting a little bit, Steve? I think so, yeah, and rightly so in a lot of ways. When Danny Cipriani came to sale, for want of a better phrase, he was damaged goods. Not many sides wanted to take him on. He had a bad reputation amongst teams. Sale and Danny himself have come together and rebuilt that reputation, taking him to the verge of the England team and the England squad. And to say what he said is probably just a little bit misguided. He owes Sale an enormous amount, and he should openly come out and say how grateful he is for both Steve Diamond and all the coaches and the playing staff as well uh, at Sale for helping re reignite his career. What do he do? He hasn't left yet. Yeah, I know, I know, I know he hasn't. But it, you know, it's a, a dangerous scenario, particularly when you've got a character like Steve Diamond in charge to come out and say something like that. If he wasn't the best fly-off, there's no way he'd be playing next week. Absolutely no way. But Sale need him. But only if he starts kicking his penalties. The, the, shame, the shame is we're talking about all, all these things, negative things. We're talking about the referee and Cipriani's missed kicks. Actually, it was a great game of rugby. Worcester, I, I feel, deserved to win. And what a difference. What a signing Francois Hugard is. Yeah. The pace that Worcester are playing with in this game compared to what they have been during the rest of the season. And actually, you look at a lot of the Premiership fly, uh, scrum halves. When they get there, they almost slow their own ball down. They're looking about what options are on. Hugard was at, at his players all the time. Give me quick ball, quick, give me quick ball, and Worcester benefited. Yeah, it was a tough, tough day for so losing uh, Josh Bowman as well. Suspected uh, dislocated shoulder. We hope he is okay. What about uh, what about Bath, Austin? The woes continue for Bath and Wasps on the rise. Uh, yeah, well, Wasps. We, we know how good they're going to be uh, as the season uh, comes to a climax. But what of Bath? It's it's a difficult one. It's a difficult place to sort of word you apportion blame and I think that's 
not necessarily the right thing to think about. At this point now, Bath are down in the league, they're not playing the way they should do. And they're lacking a bit of confidence and just also the ability to go back to what they do well. They've tried to change their game and it doesn't work for them. Go back to what you do well, restart it and do it right. Players have got to take responsibility, coaching staff have got to take responsibility. They've got to come together or ultimately they'll all stop backstabbing each other and someone will get the sack or players will disappear. And that's not really what rugby's about. Thanks for having me. Would you like some haggis? Uh, not right now. Would you like you. some whiskey? I better not. Okay. Do you want to? Well, well, you can bit. swig if you want. Can we? You're more than welcome to. Got to drink responsibly. You don't need, you don't need my uh... cask. Eddie, great to see you. Thank you for coming on. Um, good win at the weekend for Glasgow against Munster. Yeah, it was great. Um, we've all, we've uh, had a bit of a tough time the last few months, but um, it was a great performance from the boys. Uh, not the best conditions, but to get the five points was massive. Yeah. Um, defending champions, <laughs> of course. Nice, is it good? Very nice. Good. Oh, it's quite strong. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably very cheap stuff, oh. to be fair, do you? Oh, no, um, defending champions, but you've not, um, you've not, we've touched upon already, you've not really hit the heights of, of last season. What, what are you putting that down to? Um, well, it's, it's with the World Cup, back of the World Cup, I think we had uh, something like 21 players away. Yeah. Um, I think it was the most out of any club in world rugby, so it was tough, uh, tough for the playing squad, and, and we probably struggled to build momentum with guys coming back in from the World Cup. Yeah. Um, it's, it's been tough, but um, the last few weeks we've we found a little bit of uh, a bit of form, and hopefully now we can carry that forward. Yeah, Daddy, when you're losing that many players at the start of the season, it's pretty difficult, isn't it? It's a stranger World Cup year. We've seen it in the Premiership now as well, aren't we, with Bath and tough Very much so. You can see there's sort of 15 names down there. That's, that's your first strength. It's very difficult for any coach to try and make a team and, and, and perform well week in, week out when you lose that many players. And, and that's why I think Glasgow and Edinburgh, they, they, they're known that's going to happen. They've got very, very big squats. They're up to about 50, but they need, need that as well. But when you lose your first line players, bringing the rest in is always very difficult. To blood one or two is not as hard. But to lose 15 is a tricky time for any coach. Yeah, it's getting that consistency then, isn't it, when they're back, I guess. Let's have a look at the table then, how it stands at the moment. <laughs> and my maths isn't great, but I work it out that you're, I think you're 11 points off Ulster in fourth, but you've got two games in hand. So it's, it's very doable. It's not all doom and gloom, is it? No, definitely. I think it's, it's obviously in our hands still. Um, we're still in there. We've got a few games in hand, as you said. So we've got Dragons, uh, Dragons away at Rodney Parade on, on Thursday, which will be a big game. So we'll have to go in there and, and back up the win against Monster. Yeah, and so you've got to finish top Scottish team as well, haven't you, of course, now? Well, they're very fortunate, I think, at the moment, with the two teams in Scotland, you've got two chances to start to qualify for Europe, haven't you? So you've got the top six, and if not, the top Scottish side. So there's a double competition, because playing in Europe is, is very important for any team, but also any player as well. Parents, coaches, teachers are wondering how do they get... The pressure is on players to get bigger and bigger. Now, Austin has his views, I have my views. What we need is we need an expert to talk about this one. And uh, so we've got Dr James Robson. Doddy, a man you'll know very well indeed. James, great to have you with us. And, uh, and Neil Potts, Head of Strength and Conditioning at the Scottish Rugby Union. Uh, James, as part from being one of the great Lions, we talk about great coaches and great players, surely you have to be one of the greatest Lions of all time. You've been on countless. Mm -hmm. uh, I think you possibly went on the very first Lions tour. Um, <laughs> but you are the Chief Medical Officer for the Scottish Rugby Union. So thanks ever so much for taking time out in your preparations for the Italy game. Um, so what is your best practice in the Scottish Rugby Union when it comes to advice that you give to young kids when they want to start hitting the weights? 
Uh, it's really all about balance. And I think you, you have to avoid just saying about hitting the weights. You know, exercise is beneficial, there's no doubt about that. But getting the right balance between work on the pitch, work in the gym is essential. And that's where we need our esteemed colleagues like my gentleman to my right here, Dr. Neil Potts. Neil, what about, uh, yeah, Doctor, I mean, we really are, we feel totally, <laughs> we're humble. Yeah, absolutely humble about this one. Neil, what about, though, the pressure on these young kids? Uh, I mean, Doddy was talking earlier about him making his debut, and he was 13 and a half stone. I was a, a skinny, gangly lad when I started playing my international rugby. There's pressure on these guys to get bigger and bigger. They are bigger and bigger now. Are we seeing more and more injuries coming through because of that size on such young frames? Uh, I'm not sure that that's the case. Um... I, I don't have the information to say one way or the other. What we are clear on is that uh, resistance training in a number of forms is beneficial in reducing injuries and is actually advocated by medical associations, including the World Health Organization uh, on both sides of the Atlantic. So we know there's a number of benefits for appropriate resistance training, and I think that's the key thing. It's uh, doing the right activities at an appropriate level for your frame and developing it under correct supervision. Uh, in those circumstances, it's perfectly safe. But of course, like any activity, uh, you do it out with the boundaries, uh, without the correct supervision and um, some uh, certified uh, people, then you end up with problems. Great stuff. Now, you. you James, you have patched me up. You, I'm sure you patched Austin up. You patched Doddy up as well. As I say, you've been on so many, the man at the heart of so many Lions tours. With Doddy here, we cannot let the moment pass without you just telling us a few little <laughs> tales about this big old lummox stood next to me. Not... <laughs> I, I, I don't think the shed's been reached yet, Martin, so we'll need to leave most of them out of tonight's <laughs> programme. Um, but what I would like to say, one of the most devastating injuries I've had to deal with on a, on a personal level was... Doddy was really at the uh, height, I think, of his prowess on the Lions tour. And sadly, a bit of foul play caused him to have a, a knee injury. And I remember vividly taking him into the uh, dressing room to have a look at his knee and just realising the severity. We followed it up with a scan, but uh, it really was devastating. He was pushing hard to be in that test side. Now, this Sunday was a big day for teams at the top and the bottom of the Aviva Premiership. Newcastle Falcons have put together a pretty decent run up at Kingston Park. They took on the Northampton Saints. We start at the Medeski, where Exeter Chiefs, they've never made it to the playoffs, were against London Irish, foot of the table. Not looking good for London Irish, and they would not have liked uh, seeing Newcastle Falcons beating Northampton Saints. Oz, we, we, in that discussion about strength and conditioning, we were talking about, do we work on the skills of the game? Andy Good encapsulates that. There is a man who maybe doesn't work on too much strength and conditioning, but boy, oh boy, can he control the game? Well, he's a prime example, isn't he? That in the modern game, actually, it's pretty much stop-start. So if you are a, a thinker, if you are someone who can bring other people into the game, then you've got a place in the game still. And uh, he's playing really, really good rugby. He's getting turnovers, he's kicking his conversions. You know, he might actually come out of retirement properly for another year, the way he's playing at the minute. And he knows how to play the game. He's got experience. And like you said, Bafes, 
you know, you get guys that come out that come out of the gym. <laughs> you get guys that guys that come out of the gym and you ask them to clap and they can't because their shoulders and their chest and their back are so big. And yet you've got guys who, throughout his career, he could have put in a lot more effort, but he, he knew what he had to do and uh, he's had a very successful career off the back of it. And we touched upon it last week, didn't we? The, the, the character as well is obviously having an influence with the younger lads. But up just there. The, the confidence of Newcastle now. So they've beaten in the last few weeks the fourth team, the fifth team, and the sixth team. So they're all, they're not just beating people down at the bottom of the table. They've still got London Irish to come to them. They've still got Worcester to come to them. And they're making it a bit. Dean said we've got to start winning away games. The, the, the most important thing is to make Kingston Park a fortress. And it was always a horrible place to go and play. We all thought when they changed the pitch, it might be a nicer place to go up to. They're getting that fortress at Kingston Park. And if they just pick up one or two <coughs> away wins, I, I, I just, I think they've turned the corner here and I think they're going to move up the table and actually it becomes a worry for teams like Bath that haven't got that confidence that they're going to get dragged down towards them. Yeah, Newcastle yeah. winning. Great news for the Falcon fans. Not quite so good news for the London Irish fans. I'm off to see Chris Patterson who knows a thing or two about rugby north of the border just to dig a little bit deeper. But in the meantime, here are some numbers to illustrate the problem. Back in 1990, Scotland won the Grand Slam. And in the matchday squad, there were nine players who either represented Borders clubs or who had played for the region. For this season's 2016 Six Nations, out of the 35-man squad, there are just four. Here he is, Chris Patterson, the King of Scotland. How are you? Good to welcome, see you. Welcome, welcome. Yes. <laughs> well, this is it, this has to be Scotland. <laughs> Let's get straight to it. We're in the Borders. Borders rugby just doesn't seem to be serving Scottish rugby. It isn't producing the players. What's gone wrong? I still believe there's a heartland of Scottish rugby here in the Borders, but um, the numbers filtering through to the national team have changed. Some of that because the players move away from the region to work in the city, to study in the city, uh, but I still believe there's, there's a core understanding of rugby in the Borders. So how do you create an academy in an area where there is no professional team? You grow up in the borders understanding rugby and because you don't have a professional team you can still understand the, the culture, the history. It's still meaningful fixtures as well. A Gala Hoyt game or a Gala Merrill's game, they're still meaningful and hopefully that prepares the players to come into the academy and go further. Our four academies are aligned to the educational facilities at Edinburgh and Napier University in Edinburgh, obviously Borders College down here, that's where the academies are based. One of the guys we've got to look at today, Gary Robertson, self-employed landscape gardener. So it's not only study, it's, it's that work element as well that the guys have to manage and if they want to succeed. They have to motivate themselves. That drive, that desire has to come from within and it can come from your peers as well. But if you don't have it you know, in, your, in your own body, you won't succeed. And that's the important thing, isn't it? That he adds his name to the Greg Laidlaws and the Stuart Hogs, so that the younger guys, they're the guys I want to follow. They'll have a hero, they'll work to, to emulate them, but then they'll think, you know what, I want to be better than that, I want to push on, and that's, uh, that's what growing up in the borders is all about. Yeah, the borders, I mean, I just remember how strong that name was. Doddy, you're back, you're in the yeah. Melrose Tartan, which is appropriate. Melrose, one of the great Borders clubs, that was your first club. Is the Borders now the forgotten region? Not just a Scottish rugby, but maybe a British rugby? Yeah, I think they are. Both, definitely. You can see that on the dropping off of numbers actually playing the game. When I was involved with Melrose, we put about five teams out. Now they're lucky if they can get two out. So, so with that, it's the same with all the rest of the clubs in the Borders. Certainly forgotten and uh, it needs to change. Henry, interesting, the, the, just the name that it evokes, the Borders. For the, for the younger players, players like yourself now, does the Borders still 
resonate or, or, or do you just think, yeah, I heard of it, but it's not really important anymore? No, I mean, at Glasgow, we've got a few. Gregor's obviously head coach, but a proud, you know, proud border himself. We've got Hoggy. So there's, there's obviously, we know about the history of the borders. It's, there's a great, you know, some great rivals there. They've still got the border league going on, and, and there's obviously club games down there every week, and they still mean a, a lot, you know. Hoyt Gala, things like that, they're massive games. So, so it's definitely a massive part of Scottish rugby, but it, it's a shame, obviously, there's, there's not a pro team down there anymore. But you, but you say that, and you mentioned at the, the top of VT that there were nine players, I think, in the early 90s. Now we're down to four in the squad. That just shows you the demise of the sort of borders rugby. Yes, the players that are there are playing exceptionally well, because there is a passion within the borders, but unfortunately no professional team. And I think with that, it needs to, to have one. Do you think uh, the lack of, of the third professional region is affecting Scottish international rugby? Yeah, I think it does, I mean, without a shadow of a doubt. The more teams you have, the more players you have, and then the more competition you have. At the moment, there's only there's two teams. Um, with them, yes, they've got big squads, but they've got maybe a lot of foreign players within the teams as well. So there's a limit on the amount of players playing in Scotland and can aspire to be a professional player. Talking to Chris Patterson there, um, and I, you heard me asking the question, how can you have an academy in an area where there's no professional team? There used to be the Border Reavers. That's where you ended your career. They're, they're, they're done and dusted now. And his point was, well, these guys are going to go through the academy. They're going to train. They might play for some of the Borders teams. They'll go maybe to Glasgow or, or Edinburgh to do their... Uh, sort of keep in touch with the, with the big professional teams, but they will do their training in the Borders. Is that enough? Or does the Borders need a professional team back there? I think it's lovely to have a, a professional team back without a shadow. More games, more, more people have got game time. A lot of these academy players get put out to teams that they don't really want to be involved with. I think going back to Austin's thing, I'm a great believer that there's too much emphasis on, on weights. It, it's all the mental side of things. You've got to want to play. You've got to want to play for the team. If you do that, you'll put a lot more in. Now, there, there's a catch-22 at the moment, Beth, yeah, because uh, the academy team's doing well because it's the first time that Scotland under-20s beat England under-20s. So it might be a case that things are going well with Scotland. But I certainly agree that the, the more professional teams you have, the better the competition. But the thing there is, if we look at the, the big names coming through, the young Tyros coming through in the England game, a lot of them had good history with the England under-20 team. Under-20 time, Jack Clifford, Marutoji, all played in very successful under-20s. So if that can be replicated with Scotland, then they need that. But to create a professional team, you need money. The Scottish Rugby Union is not awash with cash. Are there people in Scotland around the Scottish game who say, I'll inject money into another region? I think there is. I don't, I don't honestly know the, the full answer to that, but I think there is. There'll be a lot of people with a bit of passion about rugby, having a bit of spare cash, would like to put it into the game. But it's all about the control. I think the Scottish Rugby Union want to keep the control. Now, when you're an investor, you don't want that to happen. Uh, so that sort of area needs to change. But you, you mentioned the England setup. You, you, these players coming through the ranks have got 12 professional teams to play for. Then they've got a semi-professional team there under. So there's lots of teams that these boys can play for. In Scotland, there's actually only two. So it might be, a, it's been talked about that Scotland might get involved with London Scottish. Now that, again, would be quite a good idea. Gosh, we could talk about this for a while, it's, couldn't it's we? Fascinating. It's fascinating. It subject. is fascinating. Um, but we're going to take a very short break from all this Scottishness, just for a minute. With the Six Nations back this weekend, we popped into the England camp to speak to one man who's having a, a bit of a renaissance under Eddie Jones, Danny Kerr. We haven't been brilliant, which is probably good. You know, we got two wins, but we haven't played. We haven't played brilliantly yet. We've shown patches of some really good stuff, but I think it's about putting in that 80-minute performance. Um, we knew last week against Italy was going to be a really tough sort of first 40, 50 minutes, but hopefully it was going to open up towards the end. And I think we've got to get our get our, get our set piece right. 
you know, the forwards are working incredibly hard on the scrum and the line-out to, to deliver the, the set-piece ball that the backs want. And then it's up to us backs to, to, to do what we do and, and get the ball to our speedsters and our danger men out wide and, and, and score some tries. You seem to be re-energised, not just yourself, but the whole squad. What difference has Eddie Jones made to you personally and the rest of the guys in the squad? I think it's just his confidence, you know, he, the way he speaks, he's completely committed to this and he really thinks that we could be the best team in Europe and go on to be the best team in the world in a few years' time. He's very quick to say we're not there yet, which, which is good. Uh, we know our place, we know we're not, we haven't performed to the levels we are, you know, we're eighth in the world, that isn't good enough for an English team. Um, but, you know, you, you work hard at training, you work for him and he's a, he's a type of guy, you go out there on a, on a Saturday and you put everything on the, on the park for... For him and the other coaches, you know, Guzzi and Borthers have been brilliant as well. And they've put a lot of emphasis on, on players leading it. So Dylan and, and the senior player group and, and, and everyone in the squad have got to step up and, and lead this team because we're the lads out there on the field uh, making the decisions. So, you know, it's given us that trust, um, you know, on and off the field to, to be pre-professional, but go out there and get, get the job done and um, really enjoying working for him so far. Hugo Monia asking the questions there. Hugo. Sorry, I put that in. <laughs> well, Danny Kerr, I mean, realising, mm. Ben, under, under Eddie Jones, things have changed. He's realised he may have to rotate a little bit with, uh, in, in the scrum half berth. Eddie Jones is not shy about <laughs> saying how England are going to play, will play their games, win their games. He's saying he's got the team 30% fitter, all the stuff you would expect. Maybe a little bit of bluff and bluster. When you look at the England team now and you look at the performances that we've seen, where exactly are this England team now? Um, they've still got a bit of a way, way to go and, and to learn how Eddie Jones wants them to play. Um, I think Eddie Jones, he was always a bit of a master of mind games. Maybe that's where England have suffered in the Six Nations before with the likes of Warren Gatland and, and you know, the various battles there. But is he going to make them 30% fitter? I doubt it. But if he makes them believe that they're 30% fitter, he's done his job. And, and mm. the only thing about... The thing I like about what they're doing at the moment, and the clubs will probably hate it, these early morning fitness sessions before they go out and do their rugby... I just, some, sometimes the way rugby players train, it's so scientific now. Back in the olden days, a little bit, there was a bit that you, you, you didn't necessarily train the scientific best way, but it made you harder as an individual. You were doing horrible sessions. And it meant when you got onto the pitch, you were used to being uncomfortable. You got into those positions where you were so tired that when, when you needed to find an extra 10%, two points down with a minute to go, you managed to drag it out because you looked around you and you'd all been through it together. And sometimes that... that nasty sessions where you're all working out together and, and, and you know, falling off, the, falling off the, the, the watt bikes or whatever, you pick each other up and you remember that when you're on the pitch. So is Eddie Jones going back to basics a little bit then with, with this squad, is he? Is he a little bit. bit. I, mean, I mean, I'm sure there's, there's a lot more to it, but I think he's setting the foundations and, and yeah, maybe, maybe England have been a bit nice in the past. And, and um, you know, he, as I said, those mind games are all part of, you know, an attitude and an arrogance that the New Zealanders are the New Zealanders are arrogant, but they're very good with it, and they have a reason to be arrogant because they know no one can beat them, and uh, that's where Eddie Jones wants England to get to. Austin, Joe Schmidt's come out and said it's difficult to prepare against England now because they're playing a different way. They got used to England playing a certain way. What they're seeing now is very, very different. We're seeing a very different Ireland team. Sean of their their big players, but also hit by injuries. Are they in a position to take England down at Twickenham? Uh, Ireland will always be in a position. They've still got quality players across the park. The big question is, how many of those big players can they lose and still perform? 
England, I think, should go into this game thinking this is a real opportunity now. It was a few years ago, I think, when the scrum went particularly well at Twickenham uh, for the English pack where Ireland were put to the sword. And I think Eddie Jones will be saying exactly the same. Ireland are a damaged team at the minute and we need to go out with the confidence and the arrogance that we're going to beat them and we're going to beat them well. But if you take your foot off the gas for, you know, even five minutes in that game, Ireland will make you pay. The last thing England want is a close game because Ireland will really want it to be a 9-6 or a 12-9 or give the opportunity for their kickers and their pack to get into the game. Yeah, and England's first visit to uh, Twickenham in the Six Nations. Mention should be made as well of a Legends charity match at the Stoop this Friday night between England and Ireland. Ugo is playing, Shane Byrne is playing for Ireland. Remember a couple of years ago where Steve Thompson rumbled all 25 stone of him down the wing to score an amazing try. Mark Tyndall, Gordon Darcy and Bolshaw also taking about all of that money for charity. It's at the Stoop. It should be a lot of fun. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about uh, Wales then. Donio, you guys probably felt a little bit um, unlucky um, last weekend, one would thought. I mean, what have you made of the Welsh doing this uh, competition so far? Yeah, I think the boys have, have hit the nail on the head with some other teams as well. Wales got a bit of belief. And I think against Scotland, they tried well. They've not won, that's nine games without a Six Nations win. So they don't have that belief. And I got into that game at the end, it could have been any, it was four points of difference. So, so Wales are quality players, they've been up there, they've won competitions in the past and you can see that coming through as well. So, so they're going to, possibly they've still got a chance of winning the, the Six Nations and they certainly believe that. I'm going to speak a little bit about Scotland as well. Um, there's a feeling I think from the outside that Fern Cotter is getting that belief in, into you guys as a squad now. And although maybe you're not getting the results or always getting the results, can you as players see your improvement? Is that exciting for you as a squad? Yeah, definitely. I think uh, Burns pretty much kept things simple. He's coming. He's, as you said, he's given the guys belief. He, he doesn't, he's gone back to basics. It's, you know, contact, clearing the contact hard, making our tackles, carrying the ball effectively and keeping width and trying to cause teams problems. And I think uh, you saw that against Wales. It was obviously a great game of rugby and, and unfortunately a few, a few errors here and there and we, we, we lost the game. But um, we were right in it for pretty much 70 minutes. If we can continue to keep that performance up, we'll, we'll win games, definitely. Doddy, Scotland need their big players. They need experienced players. Sean Maitland's out, Blair Cowan is out. Five players coming into the squad, changing the squad. When we look at the Scotland squad, when you look at the Scotland squad, do you like what you see? I do, yeah. I think, I think it was, this year's been a bit frustrating. You, you can see the squad. It's, it's semi-settled throughout uh, the sort of World Cup, which is quite nice. It gives them a base through the training of the World Cup. But the, the games this year have been very close. What they need to try and do is just understand. It goes back to what Austin's saying is on the skill side of things. Being able to finish a game, there's been a couple of incidences throughout the, the Six Nations. One was against England when uh, Finn Russell and Stuart Hogg was going up the wing. Now, that should have been inverted. <coughs> and when you're playing against the sides, you've got to convert these chances. George North against Wales, allowing the big fella to go in and, and score the way he did, that shouldn't really be allowed, and we can't afford to do that. If we shut that up, then Scotland have got a good chance. But this weekend against Italy, is the big one because you kindly sent me a picture, Austin, before of this SRU trophy cabinet of, of, of a lot of wooden spoons, which is very kind of you. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't he a love? Yeah, Isn't he a love? love. So I've already loved in Scotland, but why not <laughs> just make something else up that makes it even worse? <laughs> yeah, thanks, Ryan. Has, uh, has got to select that Scotland team. We asked you to be uh, selected. We asked you to name your greatest Scotland team of all time. Let's get over and see sure. what you came <laughs> up with. Uh, important to stress here, Doddy, you have only selected players that you would have played with. That's correct. That, so talk us, you stand there, nice yeah, and close, you talk okay. us through it. 
Yeah, I'll talk to you. The reason for doing that is because it's very difficult to, if you're not played with the people, what, what, what their intensity was, what their method of training was, or anything about that. So it was quite tricky to do. All right, well, tell us who you've gone through. Get started with the, uh, the front row. Well, the front row, David saw, I think it was before his time, a very mobile prop. So went with him, very good in the lineup as well. But again, very difficult as well, because there was a lot of other props within that that could have been in there. Tom Smith was the other noticeable yeah. one that might have been there. Kenny Millen, I thought he was fantastic at throwing a nice dart. And we all like that as a big second rose. So he went there. When I got my first game, for the same, it was Ian Milne. He was a great scrummager, a great man, and a great sing-songist off the field as well. So that was very important cool. for Team Morale. There's the second row back row. Let's go on to, let's go on to the backs. But there might have been a change since today and since this programme started. There actually might be, be a wee change to the second row because true Scotsmen wear nothing under the kilt. So we might end up <laughs> having to go there. Yeah. Benny McCallum. Oh, there we go. We might have to change okay, that one through the backs. Talk us through the backs. Through the backs are very difficult. That was, again, Wainwright on the back row. Wainwright could have been involved here. Ian Smith from Gloucester. Number nine, great man he was. He played very well. Great, great spirit. This was the toughest one here. On a one-off game, Gregor Townsend. We didn't really understand how he was going to play. Same with opposition. So a one-off game got him. If there was a lots of games to play within this team, Craig Chalmers from Melrose definitely would have been there. Hastings sisters would always be there. Sort of team. <laughs> great power and passion for Scotland. Alan Tate, Joe Code on the rugby league. That's why we put him in centre. Had a bit of flair, but Panache was able to finish some tries. Then at the wing, Tony Stanger, I think, is one of Scotland's greatest ever finishers. So he was in there in the 1990 Grand Slam. He would always You had to mention that. And Iwan Tukolo. Okay, quick, quickly, Austin, if you had to put one back, change one back, who would it be? Well, I'll go quick? with Twitter, actually, and uh, actually, pretty much like the independence vote, 52% have gone for Hogg. Uh, and is he on there? I can't see him. No, so be somewhere. Hogg has been picked. Yeah. I think he's in my sporrow position. He's in your sporrow. Ben, what about a forward? Who would you go uh, on the forwards? Look, he's, he's not quite made it there, but he's got the potential. I would get rid of this guy because he likes, likes his whiskey and he gets <laughs> lifts his kilt too much, and, and I'd maybe put Johnny Gray in there. Great stuff. Good, brilliant roast stuff. Enjoyed that. Okay, so just a reminder then of the Aviva action we have for you this Sunday. Exeter against Bath from midday on BT Sport 1 HD. And then we're at the Arico uh, when Wasps welcome Harlequins 3pm. Again, BT Sport 1 HD for that one. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Studio And a bit of big thanks to Duncan. Oh, thank you to Duncan. Thank you to our audience. Good luck to Scotland against Italy. See you next week. Thanks for listening to the Rugby Tonight podcast. We'll be back next week with reaction from round three of the Six Nations and round 14 of the Aviva Premiership. Don't forget, you can apply for free tickets for all our upcoming shows by emailing audience at rugbytonight.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. 
Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.